podcast that teaches you how to have a higher quality sex life, where I share cutting-edge research in neuroscience and psychology, relatable stories, and practical mindfulness-based skills so that you can maximize your pleasure potential and unlock more awareness and energy in every area of your life. I am Master Life Coach and Mindfulness Expert, Danielle Savory, and I am thrilled to be on this journey with you. Okay. Hello. Hello. Pleasure seekers. I am super stoked today. We have a very special guest, Christine Delosier. She specializes in sexual health and she is here to really help us talk about the diet for great sex. I got an email from her talking about her new book and I was just so excited to have her on the podcast because it's not something that I ever think about is like eating for better sex. And of course, on this podcast, we usually talk about what we can do with the brain, but I'm always about how else we can accentuate our bodies and accentuate, you know, our ability and our potential to experience greater pleasure. And Christine works with patients to just really help develop dietary habits that support their sexual health goals. She is an acupuncturist and holds a master's degree in acupuncture, traditional medicine, and counseling. And throughout her education, she studied Chinese dietary therapy and earned a certification as a holistic nutritional counselor. And early on in her practice, she was starting to treat numerous men for erectile dysfunction with acupuncture who ended up having significant improvements in sexual satisfaction. And just after seeing how meaningful this improvement was for their lives, for themselves as individuals, and of course, for their partnership, she specialized in sexual help, just really expanding her practice to all who seek it. She wanted to do more to help them connect with their partners and bring joy to their relationships. And she has also written a book recently called Diet for Great Sex. And so we'll talk about what's in that. But welcome, Christine. I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you so much, Danielle, for having me on your show. Super fun. Okay. So, you know, I gave a little bit of background how you got into this, but like, tell me a little bit more about your journey from making those connections from just your practice and acupuncture to getting back in to this realm of just helping and focusing on sexual health and then how the whole diet part fits in. Sure. So I have always been uh, rather obsessed with nutrition and food in general. I love food. I'm a foodie and uh, I love the aesthetics of food. And also I trained as a research scientist when I was an undergraduate. So I, you know, when I started specializing in sexual health, I worked with my patients. That was something that came naturally. You know, I, mm-hmm. I always think about how, you know, how we can bring what we eat into making things better for whatever, whatever we're treating, because in Chinese medicine, we always treat the root. The goal is to treat the root, not the symptoms, you know, whereas the pharma, the, you know, the pharmaceutical approaches oftentimes, um, treating the symptoms rather than, you know, the making health better. So that's something that's, that's, you know, we always want to pay attention to. And as I said, I, I studied to be a research scientist. So I wanted to see, you know, what does science have to say about this? Is there a relationship between what we eat and sexual function directly? You know, we, we know that when we're, you know, in better health, it can be, we can have maybe an easier time achieving orgasm, uh, you know, in, in erectile strength for, for, for males. 
but you know, what did the science have to say about it? And what I did is I, I reviewed a ton of clinical and epidemiological research to just see, you know, how much evidence there was to support that. And what I found was there, there's a ton of evidence, you know, so when we think about a great sexual experience, we think, you know, typically about the psychology of it. We think about how we feel. We think about who we're with the situation, but physiologically great sex is when our nerves are firing strong, rapid impulses to and from our genitals, because that makes for the most sensitive clitoris and penis. And it allows for, you know, the uh, great sex physiologically is also when our blood vessels are delivering great blood flow. And when our sex hormones are balanced. And so we may have noticed, you know, when, you know, in our teen years that all of this stuff just was effortless and and easy came naturally. And, you know, sometimes the older we get, we can maybe it can be a little bit more challenging. So, and even, you know, with, without age, you know, people may be dealing with things like type two diabetes, which can, you know, cause challenges to, to great sex, that sort of thing. But diet definitely, can really, really help to improve our physical response to the touch of our partner, to the touch of ourselves. And um, that's what the whole book is about. Or, you know, what are these foods? You know, what should Mm -hmm. we be eating to strengthen nerve conduction? What should we be eating to improve blood flow and to balance sex hormones? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love what you just said here, like getting to the root, you know, rather than the, just the symptoms, because even being in the sex coaching world, this is really what I find, right? It's like a lot of people, they, they come to me or they've read other things or articles and it's always focused on the actions, right? It's really focused on like, oh, well, let's just spice things up or try a different position. And I love that what you're talking about, because it's just right in line with what we talk about on the podcast here is helping get to the root, right? Which is, you know, my approach, brain, brain stuff (laughs) and how we can do that. But like that, our brain is made up of nerves. Like we are talking about the nerve conduction here. We are talking about using our brain at the optimal level for better sex. So I would love to hear just a little bit more about when we're actually focusing on the nerve conduction of the brain, what specifically do you talk about just for like that stronger focus? Because one of the skills I always mention and when I'm working with my clients is our ability to focus the brain, right? Focus our brain on where sensation is happening. Focus our brain again, back to what's going on in between our partners. You know, if we, our mind has wandered, but if there's ways that we can actually help to strengthen those nerves that are, as we're working on the skill of focus, I would love to hear more just about the diet of strengthening that brain focus. Sure. So, you know, one of the things that I found in particular in the brain aspect of nerve conduction were omega-3s. And Mm -hmm. so much of our dopamine pathway, you know, that pleasure pathway, because dopamine is the pleasure, you know, neurohormone. So much Mm -hmm. of that dopamine pathway is dependent on something like omega-3s, which Mm -hmm. we would get from things like uh, walnuts or things like uh, fresh fish depending on what your diet is, you know, some people are, you know, have a plant-based, some people, you know, don't eat uh, animal products. So getting either certain nuts or fish, or there's some algae too, that can can bring those omega-3s because our bodies can't produce it. We rely entirely on our 
um, on our diets to take in omega-3s. And that's something that's uh, really critical for that sequence of you know, dopamine production and release. When we're talking about the peripheral nervous system, mm-hmm. um, and, and of course, this is important for both the, you know, central and peripheral nervous system, um, antioxidants are super, super important because everyday life, our diets, our environment, all of these things damage nerves, you know, they cause oxidative stress to nerves. And what that does is it slows down nerve conduction, you know, throw in there things like type two diabetes and which, which also, you know, places this oxidative stress on, on nerves. And that can basically when, when those impulses between your genitals and your spinal cord are slowed, as is the case when there's that nerve damage, we may not feel as much pleasure when our partner touches us. And what that means is that, you know, so some of these signals go from the genitals to the spinal cord and then back again without ever going to the brain. Some of them go from the genitals to the spinal cord to the brain and then back again. And then all of those processes like lubrication, like blood flow, engorgement, all of those things are dependent on this proper nerve conduction. And research shows very, very clearly that when people increase their antioxidants, their nerve conduction improves. And because those antioxidants help repair those nerves, they help speed conduction, they both protect and repair from oxidative damage. So what this translates to is better sex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just for everyone listening, just, um, Christine and I obviously have a background in science. (laughs) So I want to really explain to like the central nervous system, what we're talking about here is the brain and the spinal cord peripheral is all of those, like that beautiful map and delicious nerve pathways that go into the rest of our body, out into your arms, out into your legs. And then of course, into your genitals. So, you know, what I hear you saying here is we're really helping, you know, those like when we think of this as like a traveling highway or a traveling pathway, which is what I like to think of is if you're going slow and it's like this bumpy road and like a bus going down, we're helping smooth that roadway out so that we can have this quicker of signal between that brain and that spinal cord out into the places like our genitals and our, you know, maybe it's your breast or your legs or other places that you're getting touched to really make that pathway you know, quicker and more smooth so that our experience of it is heightened. Is that correct? Exactly. The, the clitoris, for example, is loaded, loaded with nerves, mm-hmm. um, you know, nerve endings. We have sensory nerve endings, but then we also have nerve endings that are telling the um, vagina to, you know, lub- you know, it's, it's sending signals for lubrication, for like time to flow. get it on. Hey, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and you know, we, we all know that males need proper blood flow to have an erection, but most people don't realize that females need blood flow to become lubricated. They need it for engorgement. The more blood flow, the um, more engorgement the clitoris has, and that allows for more pleasure and easier time orgasming. So it's really critical for female sexual health as well. Yeah. I always like to cons- like uh, talk about it as like, we need to get fluffed up down there before, yeah. <laughs> right? You know, and really thinking of it is like, there is this important part of, uh, you know, cause we don't often think of that. It's, I just did an episode recently about kind of skipping over this 
you know, foreplay and as we get older and, you know, hearing you talk about it again, it's just so important. And I think it's just a place to pause on for a moment is that we always think of like, of course the penis needs to be engorged, but really that like, we have a way of also becoming ready of getting fluffier and ready for, you know, sexual session of any kind. So can you talk a little bit more about the increasing of the blood flow to this area and how diet or both acupuncture plays into that increase of blood flow? Well, let me tell you first a little bit about those, all those arteries going to mm-hmm. the clitoris and, and to the penis. Um, the, the cruel joke on humanity is that they're among the smallest arteries in the body. And mm. what that means is that Plaque accumulation will be evident there first because those will be the first to be completely blocked from blood flow or to note like the, the decline. Your, your aorta is a major blood vessel right in the center of your body. And that's huge. That can take a whole lot of plaque accumulation before you may have any symptoms at all, but not so with the clitoris um, mm-hmm. or the penis, those you, you'll see it much quicker. And so what we want to do to maintain optimal blood flow are a couple things. We want to eat foods that A, either reduce plaque accumulation or prevent plaque accumulation. We want to eat foods that soften that delicate inner lining of those blood vessels because it makes them more elastic and that allows mm. for more blood flow. And, you know, in the short term, we may even want to be eating foods that are naturally rich in nitrates like beets and celery because those have an immediate effect on the blood vessels. In research, those were shown to cause dilation of the blood vessels in the short term. That's why athletes use a lot of these foods like, uh, you know, beets, uh, celery, spinach, things like that as a pre-workout or as a pre-performance kind of drink because it can, it, imp- it improves performance and improves blood flow. So those are the things we're aiming at. And some key foods are things like potassium. Mm. Uh, potassium is something that a person would really want to make an effort to get into their diet. It's not going to come easily. You actually have, there's not a long list of foods that have a lot of potassium. So you really have to make a conscious effort to get them into your diet. So for example, baked yams with the skins on it, about 40% of the potassium is in the skins, baked potatoes, squash, oranges, and mangoes and bananas are pretty much, that's the, the, the hit list there is Mm -hmm. trying to incorporate a couple of those into your diet every day. What potassium does is it, you know, it does soften that inner lining of blood vessels. And also it protects blood vessels against um, some of the damaging effects of sodium. So um, humans used to take in about 10 times as much potassium from their diets as sodium. And now with all the processed foods we eat, we take in about 10 times as much sodium as potassium. And some people will say, oh, but you know what? Your body deals with that. It maintains precise levels of sodium potassium. Your body just flushes out all that excess sodium. And that is true. In order to survive, our bodies have learned to, you know, are able to adapt to that. But what they have to do is the kidneys need to flush out potassium with all that excess sodium in order to maintain homeostasis. And then they're forced to conserve potassium in other ways. And one of the, you know, one of the main effects on this is on blood vessels and on the integrity of blood vessels. 
And it actually, that lack of potassium and that extra salt promotes the the formation of these um, deposits, these accumulations on blood vessels, which will definitely stiffen them and, um, and get in the way of good blood flow. Mm. So potassium is a big one. Yeah. And I just love hearing your explanation of it, especially when it comes to that homeostasis, you know, that balancing of these, these things in our bodies, because I do think that, you know, when we get to get down to like really understanding what's going on here, right? It's like, it's not just like, oh, we're just putting potassium in our body, but it's like, oh, but this is helping balance out the other types of foods that we're taking and why we're doing it. You know, I think that especially when it comes to better sex and diet in general, having a better understanding of the why for me personally always helps me become more motivated for making habitual changes, right? Because sometimes it's just not good enough to be like, oh, this is going to help. But I love that we're slowing down and really talking about like why this helps, right? Like this is actually going to help you have stronger focus and, you know, more efficient nerve conduction. This is actually going to help, you know, your blood flow and why that's so important is because the arteries and the clitoris or the penis are so little. And so those are going to be the first ones that kind of go out, as you said, right. And how this can really help us because, you know, so many of the clients that I work with and talk with it, they're like, yeah, that sounds great, but how and why? And when we get to down to like, why it's like, oh, well, that makes sense. Like, of course, let's just throw some more bananas and some mangoes in my smoothie in the morning and open up a little bit more of that blood flow down to the the yummy bits of my body. Yeah, exactly. So how did you come up? Like, I mean, I'm starting to hear, you know, as this is coming together, like how you came up with this diet plan, but I'd love to just hear from your experience of going through these studies and doing all of this stuff. Like what was your determining factors really with coming up for the diet plan for ultimate better sex and more of this pleasure potential you're talking about? Well, the biggest determinants were um, if it had any evidence to support that it actually worked. So, mm-hmm. you know, even though my, my goal, okay, the, the last thing I want to pick up when I'm sitting in bed at night is a book that's like some sort of academic textbook. So I, I really wanted to make something that was really f- just fun, smart, but had tons of really useful information. So while it is a very conversational book, mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure that every, every single thing in there, every piece of advice was backed by science. So you're speaking um, my language, Christine. I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I just poured over a a ton of clinical and epidemiological research. So I look, I took a look at, you know, some of the research contained, uh, you know, populations, the, the samples were populations of people and trends, you know, when, populations do X, they tend to have Y and Z. Other studies that I looked at were clinical studies. So for example, we are going to feed this these uh, subjects a high fat meal, and then we're going to see what happens to their blood vessels two hours later. We're going to measure the blood flow two hours later. We're going to measure that elasticity of their arteries to Two hours later. And so they can, they can see the short-term effects of that particular mm-hmm. food. Then there are other ones that are more long-term studies, you know? So 
Um, so, so basically my, my mind was on science, but it was, I wanted it to be for, you know, the average reader who was not necessarily, you know, had a, didn't necessarily have a science background. Yeah. So I love, like you just said, cause basically what I've heard, you know, up until this point was more that these were long-term effects, right? Like the plaque buildup, the nerve conduction, all of that. But then you just said short-term effects. So how could this impact us if we're just you know, like if we're planning, I really talk about thinking about when we want to have sex, you know, ahead of time. And a lot of the clients that I work with, we schedule, we schedule sex so that we can really plan for pleasure. And I feel like having a better diet, even the day leading up or a couple of days leading up would have an impact. Is that true that it can have like a short-term impact, even just the day that I'm having sex or the day before I'm having sex? Yeah, you know, there's actually a good amount of evidence to say that, yes, that it does. So you might not think about one meal as having a huge impact on our sex life, but but think about this. One meal, a high fat or high sugar meal will immediately tank testosterone levels. One potassium rich meal will measurably improve arterial elasticity and improve blood flow. One nitrate rich food, you know, will one nitrate rich meal will do the same within a couple hours. So, for example, and it's a pretty significant effect. For example, in one study, they gave participants one serving of spinach, then they measured their saliva to see how much nitric oxide was present. And this is what dilates blood vessels. And they found that two hours after eating one single serving of spinach, participants had eight times the levels of nitric oxide in their saliva that they did before eating. Wow. That's big. <laughs> That's a big yeah. change. Yeah. It's pretty significant. So there are certain foods that are going to, you know, have measurable, cause measurable stiffness in the arteries after eating them. And there are other foods that are going to measurably make arteries more elastic and improve blood flow after eating them. So yeah. that's why in the, in the book, I had of this date night sex menu. And so this so is like, hey, you want to get in the mood? <laughs> yeah. You and your partner make a date night sex menu, you know? And what I'm hearing from patients is that it's a subtle but noticeable improvement. Yeah. Um, I mean, of course, obviously we want to eat long, you know, when we can eat long-term for great sex, that's always the best thing to do. But definitely there are things that you can do that night too. Yeah. Well, and I love even just thinking about it as a whole plan for pleasure. It's another point of connection, right? Especially if you're working on a meal together, it's not just the impact that those foods are going to have on your blood flow and all of that. That's fun, but it's just the entire experience. Like we're doing this together so that we can have amazing sex together. Like that in and of itself right. I think would have a huge impact just because it's a point of connection. It's fun. It's getting yourself in the mood for it in more ways than one. So yeah, I have another exactly. question for you. Um, when it comes sure. like for this date night sex, cause this is you know, we always hear about like, Ooh, this is like an aphrodisiac or these foods are aphrodisiac. Like, is there any merit like to that? Cause that's now may- having me think about like oyster shooters or sushi sure. or these things that we hear <laughs> are like these, you know, aphrodisiacs, like pre-sex type foods. 
So have, did you find merit in that? And when you're thinking about like having a high rich diet, is that the same as these aphrodisiac type foods? Um, so they're not exactly the same, mm-hmm. but so I have a whole chapter on aphrodisiacs. And what I did was I tried to just look over the research and, and see, okay, are there actually aphrodisiacs? that have some scientific evidence to support them. What I found is that it's not something that, that has been widely studied, meaning that, you know, every substance I included in, in the book had some evidence, you know, but usually it was only like a few studies, you know, maybe two, you know, two or three studies to support their, that, that they had some effect sexually. Um, but they did have a couple, um, mm-hmm. a lot of, um, so something like oysters, for example, they have a reputation as being an aphrodisiac. And there were like one or two studies that I saw that, that supported that they did have some effect. But the thing, the cool thing about um, oysters is that they have loads of zinc in them. And zinc, I found from my research, is huge when it comes to both um, you know, sex and fertility. So I'm thinking that their reputation has something to do with how much zinc they have in them. Because mm. you know, most most foods have you know, a, a good sources of zinc might have maybe, you know, 20% of your daily zinc for a serving. Oysters have, I want to say like, oh boy, I can't remember the amount, but uh, look it up because it was, yeah. ast- it was astonishing how much like one oyster, I think had like 20% of your daily zinc or, or you know, somewhere around that level. But again, there, there were some aphrodisiacs that had more research to support them. And mm-hmm. like, uh, saffron was one of them that's been, you know, fairly widely, widely studied and it's got a long history as, you know, being used as an aphrodisiac and it's, you know, relatively safe. And, uh, you know, they did, they've done animal studies, they've done human studies that both showed that, um, that it improved libido and, um, sexual function. So an aphrodisiac by definition is something that either increases arousal um, increases performance or increases pleasure. And mm. so saffron did well as an aphrodisiac, uh, you know, and cloves had a, had some studies showing that it actually had even a short-term effect on, on that. So that could be included in something like a, you know, a date menu or something. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then there are some herbal aphrodisiacs. Some of them were kind of dangerous. Their safety, you know, their safety margins weren't you know, weren't great. Um, and a lot of them didn't have great efficacy to, you know, weigh out the the risks if you, if you will, but there are a lot of fun, you know, culinary aphrodisiacs, like I say, had a couple of studies to support them. And even if they don't, you know, even if we don't have a lot of evidence that they, that they work, they're fun to play with and they're safe, you know, so you can incorporate them in your meals and stuff, which, you know, is kind of fun. Yeah. So on that note, then, is there things that we should avoid? I mean, I think everybody kind of knows, like if you're, you know, in a heterosexual relationship with a male partner, you probably don't want them eating asparagus before if you're planning on having oral sex. But um, is there other things like other types of foods that maybe we should avoid at all or like that would make for bad sex? Well, yeah, there are. So the biggest ones are, you know, high fat, high sugar, high salt meals, Mm. you know, so a salt, a salty meal will measurably stiffen 
arteries within 30 minutes of eating it. A high fat meal within a couple hours and a high sugar meal within a couple hours. And then the added bonus with the the sugary fatty meal is that you get that drop in testosterone, which is not going to be good for for arousal. So those are the foods that you mm-hmm. want to just in general um, be, you know, be mindful of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's great to know. It's like, okay, well, maybe hold the high fat, high sugar dessert till after the sex. <laughs> exactly. But you know what? The the cool thing about it is you can you can plan your date menu around these, you know, these tenants because even though a high fat meal measurably stiffened arteries, a high omega-3 fat meal had the opposite effect on arteries. Mm. It actually made them more elastic. So if you, um, I made this, this date night sex menu, this sample date night sex menu. And for those of us who eat meat, um, it included some wild salmon. It included mm-hmm. some potassium rich squash. It included some uh, dietary nitrate rich salads, which also coincidentally are high in potassium. And it it included some uh, polyphenol rich, which is an antioxidant, which had an immediate improvement to blood vessels, um, like raspberries and mango, things like that. So, or apples. So it included kind of all of those, um, all those things. And again, just that's a good protein choice for your date night because it doesn't have that, you know, artery stiffening effect of some of the other fats. Right. Right. Yeah. I love hearing about this. My, um, my husband actually was a commercial fisherman in Alaska and we go up there a couple of times a year and so we have a freezer full of, mm. of wild salmon that we've caught. And so mm. I'm like, Ooh, maybe this is why our sex is so good. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious for those of listening, you know, I'm always talking about like how we can lean more into our pleasure, right? So it's not that it's not good. We don't have to um, have bad sex to want it to be better, right? It's continuously leading in like, ooh, how much juicier could it get? So for those listening that aren't having bad sex, like the sex is good, could adding this element to it take it to the next level? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's lots of research that support it. And then there's clinical evidence too. Just, you know, people do better uh, when their diets move more in the direction of, you know, what we talk about in the book. And then something to consider if you're having great sex right now, um, you know, something to consider is this, when they did studies on young people who either were killed in war or in car accidents, and they looked at their blood vessels, they found that people as early as high school age, um, have measurable plaque accumulation on their arteries. And it wasn't enough to cause any kind of signs or symptoms of cardiovascular disease, but that is like basically early cardiovascular disease. And it generally tends to get just more and more and more. It's considered to be something, it was long considered to be something that was irreversible. And now new research is showing that something like leafy greens actually has the capability to a certain degree of reversing some of that plaque accumulation. So for example, doctors who are using this dietary approach to treat cardiovascular patients are advising them to have, you know, handfuls and handfuls of spinach every single day to reverse some of that plaque accumulation. But otherwise, I mean, for the most part, this plaque accumulation just gets more and more 
every year. You know, we just get mm-hmm. a little bit more of it. So whether you're having great sex now or not, it's definitely something that you want to be both mindful of so that you don't have bad sex, but also, you know, who doesn't want stronger nerve conduction or more elastic? Totally, totally. You know, like, that's, why would you not? That's, you know, <laughs> right. Yeah, so good. So good. I love, I love thinking about that too, because it's like, you know, just, just because it's good right now, it's something to be aware of. Like, how can we incorporate this more in right now? So it keeps being good (laughs) so that it doesn't have this impact, you know, on our, on our parts later on. So Christine, I'm so excited for this book, Diet for Great Sex. I would definitely want to get my hands on the date night menu and just reading more because I'm a science nerd. I love just reading more. So where can people find this book and where can they connect and find out more about the work that you're doing? Sure. So my website is dietforgreatsex.com. My book is available on Amazon. And I also have some recipe videos and things like that on Instagram. Uh, diet at diet for great sex and also TikTok at diet for great sex and Facebook at diet for great sex. Oh, love it. Oh, recipes. This is going to be so fun. I'm excited for date night. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been so fun having this conversation and I'm really just, I'm really grateful that you got interested in this and took the time to do the research and write this book for everybody to have greater pleasure. Like really thank you truly for your work. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you so much, Daniel, for having me on your show. It's been a pleasure. Yes. It's been fun. Mm-hmm.